Well, we are three weeks now into Lent. And if we're honest with one another, its luster is starting to fade. Those early commitments we made to form new habits of prayer and fasting and giving alms, well, they're losing their steam. The whole thing is wearing on us. You know, the somber mood, the minor keys, the glory of epiphany exchanged for dust and ashes. You will recall that on the first Sunday in Lent, we bewailed our many sins and offenses as together we prayed the great litany processing around the nave. And then on the second Sunday in Lent last week, we heard these words read from the exhortation. Judge yourselves lest you be judged. Examine your life by the rule of God's commandments. And then today we heard those commandments, didn't we? At least the top ten. And we heard them not once, but twice. Three times if you were at formation hour. I'm telling you, all this self-examination stuff can really wear on your soul. Especially if you are already primed to hear the word of God through the lens of guilt and condemnation. Perhaps after hearing our Old Testament lesson for today, the Ten Commandments, you found yourself whispering under your breath something like, yes, thank you, I get it. We've been rehearsing these commands at the beginning of each service for three weeks now. We're all well aware that we have broken God's laws and strayed from his ways like lost sheep. So please, cut us a little slack. Well, if this describes you in any way, that's fair. It's understandable, at least on one level. But on another level, it might just indicate that you're missing the point of Lent. In fact, you might even be missing the very heart of God himself. You know, as a pastor, I have the privilege of being welcomed into the inner lives of others to explore together what God is teaching them, where the Spirit might be leading them, and how they are being formed or not formed into the likeness of Jesus. And in these sacred spaces, I have discovered a common barrier that exists for so many people in their spiritual lives. This oppressive feeling that God isn't very happy with me, that he's disappointed with how I'm living my life, you know, constantly shaking his head. It seems to me that for whatever reason, many people live their lives with this as their default setting. God is looking down on me, and I can feel his disapproving eyes. And from there, it's only one small step to doubting whether God even loves me. If this is anywhere close to being true for you, then yes, the commandments will sound heavy. (laughs) They will be guilt-inducing burdens for you to carry. And the season of Lent will become for you a season of despair. The call to follow Jesus, an oppressive invitation. But perhaps it's time for the tables of our faith to be overturned a little bit. 
perhaps it's time to recalibrate our ears toward the commands of God in a fresh and new way so that we might hear them as they were meant to be heard, not as heavy yokes, but as words of life. Words of life. Because the words of God are always intended to bring forth life. Never heavy burdens. Never condemnation. In fact, that's actually a much better way to think about the commands of God. Not as commandments, but as words. Words of life. Perhaps you notice that the Ten Commandments are not introduced to us as commandments at all, but as words. Did you hear that that's how our passage this morning from Exodus 20 actually begins, like this. Then God spoke all these words, not commandments. It's why the Ten Commandments are also referred to as the Decalogue. You've heard that, the Decalogue. Deca meaning ten, and log or logos meaning word, the ten words. It might surprise you to know that the Bible itself never refers to these as the Ten Commandments. It's always the ten words. Now, this is important for us to recognize because God has already spoken ten words before in another significant part of Scripture in the beginning at creation. We are all familiar with the seven days of creation, but if you were to read through the first creation account in Genesis 1, you'd find a particular phrase repeated ten times. And here's the phrase, and God said, right? This is no accident, as Genesis 1 has this beautiful liturgical rhythm to it. And God said, let there be, God saw it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning. And then again, and God said, let there be, and so forth. It just rolls through. Ten times in Genesis 1, God speaks a word, and the word brings forth life. And then, when God speaks a word directly to human beings at the end of the creation account, We discover once again that this is not a heavy command, it's an an invitation to life. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and have dominion over, enjoy my good creation. This is no heavy burden at all, it's a joyful invitation. For the words of God are always words of life. With this mindset, we can now return to Exodus 20 and hear these words anew. Hear them more clearly than before. For after delivering his people from Egypt and then entering into a covenant with them, God's first order of business is once again to speak ten words as if new creation is occurring again. He is inviting his people into a new kind of life, right? A new way to be human, a new way to flourish, Now, we should remind ourselves that this isn't the only place where God speaks, right? Here in Genesis 1 and in Exodus 20. Of course not. No, God is a talker. God is forever speaking, isn't he? He, He's always speaking words. But the thing is, his words always are bringing forth life. Listen to a few lines from our appointed psalm for today, the majestic Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. 
One day speaks to another. One night gives knowledge to another. And their sound has gone out into all lands and their words to the ends of the world. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, just look outside at the birds and the trees. L look at the night sky through a telescope. Or, or look at a grain of salt through a microscope. The works of God are always speaking the words of God. And the words of God are always bringing forth life. That is the attitude we are to have toward the commands of God. Toward this season of Lent. And most importantly, this is the attitude we're supposed to have toward God himself. That's how we need to recalibrate our ears for hearing the words of God at all times and in all places. We need to hear them for what they are. They are words of life. And of course, as we all know, God has gone to even greater lengths than these in order to speak life into our world. As the ultimate word of God is Jesus himself, right? The word made flesh, the one who came to dwell among us. This is how John begins his gospel. In the beginning was the word. And as he continues his story, we begin to hear this word speak. And then we watch what this word brings forth. We watch him bring forth life time and time again. And so, for example, at the wedding at Cana, Jesus' mother tells his servant, do whatever he says. I mean, she knows that his words will bring life to this party that's on the brink of death. And so Jesus says, well, fill these jars to the brim with water. And his word turns the water into wine. Words of life. A bit later, a royal official comes to Jesus begging him to heal his dying son. Just say the word, the official says, and my son will be healed. And sure enough, Jesus speaks that word and his word brings forth life. The boy is saved. And then in Jerusalem, Jesus encounters a man crippled for 38 years, unable to move himself into the pool when the spirit stirs the water. And so Jesus, stirred in his own spirit, approaches him and says, stand up, take your mat and walk. And miraculously, the word of Jesus brings forth life, and the man is healed. And finally, we have Jesus face to face with death itself. As his dear friend Lazarus has his dead body wrapped in a tomb for four whole days. And that's when Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And his word brings resurrection new life. Perhaps then, when we rehearse the ten words during Lent, we should hear them as coming from the mouth of our Savior himself. For these are his words, words that he affirms and refashions into his own invitation to follow him, right? For as you know, Jesus spoke about these commandments often, didn't he? Think about it, to the rich young ruler, Looking for life, he says. Jesus, what must I do to have life? And Jesus says to him, you know the ten words. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal and so forth. These are words of life. And then, of course, we have Jesus presenting himself as the new Moses in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Giving the new law. And what is his word to the people? He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. And then he is off to the races, not discarding the ten words, but reworking and amplifying them into his own invitation to have life and to have it abundantly. So that the words we hear, this and every Lent, are the very words of Jesus. Words intended for our good, for our flourishing. Words of life. That's how we ought to hear them. And I suppose what can make this really difficult for us is that the invitation of Jesus is, in fact, an invitation to death, isn't it? If you want to become my follower, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus' invitation is, is, is an invitation to lose your life, right? And so it all feels backwards, doesn't it? I mean, you would think that words of life would call you to seize the day, make the most of your circumstances, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But Jesus says, no, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. And that's the paradox of the Christian life. It's the paradox of Lent. For Lent is a season that begins by reminding us of our own mortality. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We have to come to terms with our frailty, with our sin. We have to die to ourselves in order to discover the life that God wants to give us. They go together. Yesterday, I was sitting outside enjoying the warming weather, just giddy about the prospect of spring. And as I looked around, the landscape, for the most part, still shows signs of death. The trees are still bare. The, the grass is not yet green. Coming out of this winter, we are still in the midst of death, and yet we know, don't we, life is on its way. The word Lent simply means to lengthen. It speaks to the lengthening of days in the spring, that spring is upon us. And so it's during this Lenten season that we get to witness the, the cherry blossoms that burst upon the scene. We get to see the birds making their nests, shrubs starting to bud. And we know that out of this death comes life. So Lent is about death. Lent is about life. The very nature of spring reminds us of this. It reminds us that Jesus' calling to die paradoxically sets the conditions for new life to come. In the Gospel of John, Jesus reminds his disciples of a truth that we find very hard to believe. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it just remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There is life. This invitation to take up our cross, to fast, to give alms, there is life to be had in this calling to follow Jesus. Friends, as you examine your life by the rule of God's commandments this Lent, as you practice your fasts, come to grips with your sinful inclinations and your feeble bodies, 
Know that this isn't about you, you know, hanging your head before God because, man, he must be disappointed with me. I'm such a miserable person. No. It's about turning to Jesus to find life. I am the way, he says, the truth and the life. Take my yoke upon you with learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. I will give you life. If Lent is anything, my friends, it is a season for tuning your ears to hear and respond to the beautiful, life-giving words of Jesus. Not as burdens, not as guilt trips, but as invitations to what we are all about here at All Saints. Sharing in the life of God for the life of the world. Heavenly Father, thank you for this season of Lent. Jesus, thank you for your invitation to die to ourselves so that we might find abundant fruit and life in our lives. Help us to persevere in our new habits that we are establishing through this season of Lent so that we might die to ourselves and see what bursts upon the scene in our lives as your Spirit works afresh and anew. Help us not to see your commandments as heavy burdens, but as life-giving invitations to be your people for the life of the world. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.